Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your full and podcast from Down Under. Here today, before the return of the King, Alexander Mitrovic back for the game against Southampton this weekend, and here to discuss it all with me, I have Elton. How are we going, Dad? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Uh, no cheeky youngster today, but uh, see if he's listening and he chirps in. Well, Tifo definitely aren't getting their money's worth because he's not going to be mentioning hmm. them a hundred times this episode, but very much looking forward to previewing this game. It should be a ripper. It's... Uh, Fair bit on the line for both sides, with uh, Fulham obviously looking to get their record points total in the Premier League, uh, needing a couple of wins at least to get that. And Southampton, if they lose this game, they are, I think, officially relegated with uh, the league table sitting the way it is. I believe Southampton have 24 points currently and the team just above the relegation zone have 32. So they, they need to pick up points here. There's a lot on the line for Southampton, more than... Fulham, obviously, but it's going to be a game where both teams really push to the very limit, I think. Uh, we've heard Marco Silva talk quite a lot about how the fact that the players really aren't on the beach. These guys are pushing for, you know, a, a record and they want to write their names into the record books for Fulham, even if it means we still finish 10th. We're not finishing as high as 7th, which is where we finished when we did get that record, but it's it's pushing us as hard as we can and, and making sure that this season is seen as, as successful as possible, I think. So definitely a lot on the line for both teams. This is a, a return to normal hours of, uh, of match days. We have a Saturday 3pm kickoff in the UK. For our friends in the US, it's a 7am kickoff Pacific time and 10am Eastern on the Saturday as well. Over here in Australia, Saturday night, 10 p.m. kickoff in WA. It's a midnight kickoff uh, on the the point between Saturday and Sunday for those on the East Coast. Um, Dad, your thoughts just going into this game? It's, uh, like I said, a big game for both teams. How are you feeling? Do you think we're going to see some of the performances we've seen from the lower half of the table? You're talking about the games against West Ham, which we sort of struggled with, the game against Bournemouth as well, where there's so much on the line that they put in these huge performances? Or do you think we're more likely to see the kind of result we saw against Leicester and Leeds in recent weeks? It's I'm, I'm not close enough to the inner beating heart of Southampton to know just how broken their spirits are. You know, you, you could see a capitulation here, um, very early on, it might not take very much to uh, to make them meek. Um, if if we look, if we do consider their results, I mean they've they've had a pretty 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 ordinary um, 
last five games. You know, there's there's one draw and four losses in there. Um, how on earth they got a three-all draw with Arsenal, I'm not really sure of. How did that happen? But I think if I look at it from a Fulham perspective, if there's if there's one sort of redeeming factor in all of this is that Mitro gets a relatively easy game being reintroduced back into the fold. Um, an easy game in terms of the weakest possible opposition. And I, I mean no, no disrespect to Southampton, but they are, by, by points and by results, unlikely to give us huge amounts of trouble. I think what's going to be really fascinating for me, what, what I am intrigued to discover is whether all this free-flowing stuff that we've start to wit- started to witness from our team without Mitro, whether that continues and Mitro joins the party or whether we somehow almost uh, dry up somewhat and return to old ways and means of feeding Metro and somehow lose that Brazilian flair. We somehow lose people having the confidence to have a shot um, because we were relying on them to have a shot. I, I really hope none of those things happen, and I hope that Metro slots in um, and joins the party and just tries to score goals in and amongst it all. That's what I want to see happening. It's a really interesting point you make about the fact that we've we've had to change our style because Mitro's been out of the team and it took a little bit of time for us to find how we should be playing without him. Um, obviously, that suits Vinny a lot better than it suited Dan James or Bobby Deckard-Over-Reed. And, and we've adapted now into playing some pretty beautiful football. Um, you know, we, we obviously haven't picked up the results uh, in all of those games, because we had tough games against Villa, Man City, Liverpool, we picked up nine points from the eight games without Mitro. But I think what you're saying there, and, and I totally agree, is that we, we're we playing a different style at the moment, but it's it's beautiful football and it's, it's very creative and slightly less route one than we might have played with Mitro up front in that period. Uh, I actually think Mitro would slot really nicely into this system. I think so Mitchell with his with the ball at his feet. He plays some beautiful passes and has some beautiful first time touches off to off to runners and mm-hmm. I think this this period actually might see um Fulham evolve into an even more dangerous beast because we're not just relying on Mitro mm-hmm. to be post heading the ball in the back of the net. We're gonna start playing the ball to his feet a little bit more often and actually Using some of the skills he's maybe not as well known for. The big question. But they're definitely me. there. They're definitely there. He's definitely got that side to his game, Jack. You know, yeah, and we. No, yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think we possibly focus too much on the fact that he's so good in the air and good when we're getting balls into the box, and maybe less so the fact that we can actually play the balls down the wing a little bit better and and start creating things around the edge of the box. And Mitro's movement is so good that he's always going to be there or thereabouts. And I think we, we just have to back him a little bit more and he could be even more devastating. But what I was going to say, the only thing, and and we'll get onto it a little bit when we talk about the potential lineup for this game. Mitro's been out since the 20th of March. If you think about a player 
who hasn't played for two months in a first-team fixture, uh, and he's obviously been unable to play any warm-up games as well because he's been banned. He can't play in the under-21s team. Um, he might start from the bench. I wouldn't be overly surprised to see that happen and see him come on later in the game. I think it's it's the way Silver seems to slowly reintroduce players into the lineup. It, it might be a step too far to expect Silver to drop Mitro straight into the starting lineup. Do you think we're going to see an instant return, or do you think he's going to slowly reintroduce? I, I hope he doesn't. I think Mitro's better than that. You know, it's not like Mitro's had an injury and he's been away. There's no reason to suspect it. In fact, there's every reason to suspect that Mitro's actually shaken off some of his niggles and he's probably fitter than he's been since prior to the World Cup, like maybe since the first month of the season. So uh, I think if 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 Marco Silva is half the man we think he is, I think he's been sticking needles into Mitro and really firing him up. And I think Mitro is raring to go. He's that good, you start him. You know, he doesn't come off the bench. He doesn't have to be merged back into this, you know, super highway. Um, yeah, I, I, I would certainly not do that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of overall fitness, that's my only thing. I, I think he he's obviously fit enough, but it's the match sharpness. He hasn't played a full 90 minutes of competitive football. There's a big difference between um, being on the training ground and doing drills and playing little half-pitch, you know, scenarios and actually being out on the pitch and being properly challenged by another defender and chasing down balls hard. I, I think he, he'll lack a bit of sharpness and I wouldn't be overly surprised if Silva did just hold him back slightly and maybe have eyes on the Man United game to end the season as the real time where you properly unleash Mitro and almost build his match sharpness up a little bit so that that last game is the game that he gets to to get a little bit of revenge is probably the wrong word, but um, it, it's it's a bit of a redemption moment for him, I'm going to say. Um, looking at these last five fixtures, I, I do agree with you. I think Southampton, I, again... That three all against Arsenal, that that is an outlier for me. Um, I think that is more down to Arsenal choking at the moment, which they have done completely considering the lead they once had at the top of the Premier League and now they're sitting in second and almost destined to be, to be runners-up this season. Uh, I'd, I'd say that's a choke from Arsenal more than a good result from Southampton, but it's the goals conceded that I think Southampton will be worried about, and it's similar to what Leicester would, would have been worrying about, and we saw five go past them on the weekend, or on Monday, rather. Uh, conceding four to that Nottingham Forest side, who are very poor going forward. Um, conceding three to Newcastle. Conceding one to Bournemouth, two to Palace, three to Arsenal. You know, that's uh, 13 goals in their last five games that they've shipped. Fulham in comparison, have been very good defensively, considering we've taken on uh, Liverpool, Man City and Villa, who are, you know, three teams within the top seven, I think, um, to concede only four goals across those three games. And then obviously the Leicester game was a little bit of a let-off. I think the three goals there, you can't look too closely at that. You have to look at the actual situation there. And I don't think that's the case in those Southampton games. I don't think they've been able to take their foot off the pedal in any of those games and they've genuinely got some real defensive issues. Um, some of those will be compounded as well. We'll have a quick look 
at the potential Southampton lineup, and one change in here will be Bella Kotchap, who I believe went off injured quite early in the game against Forest. Um, I can't remember the name of the player who came on to replace him off the top of my head at the moment. Uh, Brazilian, I think he scored as well. Lianco is his name. Uh, he'll probably come into the starting lineup, but this is a fractionally leaky Southampton backline. Walker Peters, Maitland Niles, Bella Kotchap, and Bednarak. They've conceded a lot of goals this season. Southampton have a pretty terrible goal difference. If we have a quick look, minus 33 goal difference, which is the worst in the league this season, and understandably so as well. The the big danger for Southampton, though, is James Ward-Prowse. Dad, I know you're a bit of a fan of him, and how great would it be to see him in a Fulham shirt next season, although I think he's, his aim's probably going to be a little bit higher than that. But how dangerous is he, and how aware should Fulham be of giving away set pieces in dangerous areas because of someone like Ward-Prowse being in the Southampton team? Well, Ward Prowse, I didn't know that I was such a fan of his. I, 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 I'm, I think he's a very good player. Um, and I was reading up a bit about him, actually, in, in, in terms of just to um, get a sense of just how good a player he is outside of free kicks. And if, if you read the supportive press... You know, he's a busy, hard-working midfielder who does a lot of running and he's <clears throat> very, very effective in midfield. But I can't help feeling that he's he's a David Beckham for me. Um, I, I, that, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, That's a pretty good comparison, yeah. He's, he's an inc- I mean, he's a remarkable free-kick taker and dead ball specialist. And I'm, I'm just trying to understand... How how good his offering is outside of that, I've I've heard that. Look, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we are likely to attract him. I, I've heard that Man United are very interested, and I think the the price tag is thirty eight forty million pounds. Um, and I'm not sure that we would. <clears throat> yeah, would I don't think he's that kind of realistic. Value. I don't think it's realistic that we'd see him coming in, but. Uh, more just saying it, he's, you know, he's a great player. I, I saw a really good comparison of Ward Prowse uh, on Twitter, and I cannot remember for the life of me who it was who said it, but someone said James Ward Prowse is Harrison Reed, but with the ability to take free kicks as well. And look, it has to be said, Ward Prowse has, he's got 17 goals from free kicks in the Premier League. Uh, in in his whole career, David Beckham is the leader with eighteen free kicks in the Premier League. Um, so he, he's you know one free kick off, basically setting the record or at least equaling the record. On top of that, though, he has actually scored almost fifty goals for Southampton. So he's got about thirty odd um, outside of free kicks, which I think is actually still very impressive. Uh, and there's some good young talent in this side. Steve Reynolds here on our live stream just chipping in as well, saying, get Lavia, who's um, Ward Prowse's partner in the sentiment field, young and hungry, suspect top six. So, and uh, look, it's it's similar sort of conversation that we were having around the Leicester side where there's a couple of very good players in this team, but they're not able to carry the entire team. Uh, Ward Prowse and Lavia, you're right, they're probably... 
you know, high mid-table teams, I'm talking Villa, Fulham, Brentford, Brighton, they'd be looking at picking up those, maybe not quite as high as your Liverpool's, Arsenal's, Chelsea's, Man U's. Um, but they're, they're, they're very, very good, solid Premier League players. And I think someone like Alcaraz is, is young, but he's proving that he can do a little bit. Um, but there's guys in this team like Che Adams, Theo Walcott, Maitland-Niles, Walker-Peters. They're players who've been around the Championship slash Premier League teams for a very long time now. And I, I just think they're they're not quite at that level yet. And that's why Southampton have struggled this season. When when you think about Ward-Prowse, and if I know I had to sort of think think of him only in terms of his dead ball capability, but that is what he's known for. I don't look at this Fulham team and think, you know, that's a massive hole for us. How do we plug that hole and how do we fix that? For me, Pereira is he's done a great job with corners, free kicks, dead ball. I think he's done a tremendous job. How many goals has he scored from them? Okay, not not many, but how many how many assists has he got from those dangerous positions? Loads. Um, if he's not on the ground, okay, what have we got? Kenny, uh, who else? Um, who, who else is lining up behind Kenny? I don't know. Probably not not that much. No real specialists, but. I I don't think we're screeching out for that kind of a player. So if we got him and we got him at a reasonable price, happy days. If we didn't, I don't think we've got some massive hole to fill. Yeah, and look, I don't I don't think it's about filling a hole. I, I just um I, I'm I'm more pointing out I don't think he's realistically a transfer target for Fulham anyway. I think he's gonna be overpriced when he does come on the market. I do think he's a good player. And Southampton are going to lose him and Lavia as well, but they're going to be overpriced to help Southampton after they go down. Because let, let's be perfectly honest, I, I think Southampton are going down. I think they've got too too big a mountain to climb with just three games left in the season. I I, I feel like these guys are going to be priced at thirty forty million, and and that money will go towards keeping Southampton competitive when they go down and not going into free fall because they sell all their players very cheaply. Um, we've seen sides drop out of the Premier League and sell off everyone and have to basically start again. Fulham did it when they dropped down. And you look at some of the lineups in that first couple of years after going down to the championship and they're completely unrecognisable even now. So it, it is about keeping the core of the group together. And I think, yeah, like, like I said, Ward-Prowse is, is the danger man for me in this team. I think they've got some talent elsewhere, but in his Premier League career, 48 goals, 37 assists, he's someone where we just don't want to give him the opportunity. Uh, I feel like if we give away free kicks in silly areas, and, and Fulham have been known to do that multiple times, give away free kicks within range or give away free kicks out on the wing where he's able to put a good ball into a dangerous area, I think we might be... Um, be potentially opened up a little bit by that. So it is definitely something we need to be careful about, and I'm sure it's something Marco Silva would be talking about because this isn't a high-scoring Premier League team. Uh, I think Ward-Prowse is one of their top scorers this season with eight goals, most of those from free kicks. So we really do need to be careful about how we approach this game 
and and be careful about giving away free kicks in silly areas because I think that's how we're going to get undone by this Southampton team. Um, and we saw it against West Ham. If they sneak an early goal, they're well within their rights to completely sit back and play very, very boring route one football and and basically put 10 men behind the ball and leave one person up front for a potential counter-attack. So it, it, these fixtures can be really tricky, and I, I, I'm not worried going into this game because I think we've got the the, the better quality side, but... I'm always a little bit wary, especially Southampton. I, I feel like we should be beating Southampton every season and every time we come up against Southampton, it just feels like they somehow eke results out of us and it's very, very frustrating. Um, Dad, let's have a quick look at the table as it currently stands. Now, I've, I've only picked up the bottom half of the table here for those on the live stream. Uh, top half of the table, obviously, Fulham are sitting just behind uh, Brentford at the moment. Brentford have a two-point lead on us at the moment. Uh, Villa are six points ahead of us, so possibly a fraction too far uh, far away. Uh, I did have a bit of an interaction with Cottage Analytica on Twitter, who uh, ran his Monte Carlo model, and 10th place seems to be the most likely finish for Fulham from here. Uh, I think we're expected to beat Southampton and maybe pick up a point against Palace. Uh, which would basically confirm, I, I think a win this weekend all but confirms 10th because Chelsea are going to have to win every game for the rest of the season to to chase us down. Uh, Brentford do have tough games. If they slip up against West Ham this weekend, there's a high possibility that they don't pick up points for the rest of the season. So could easily see us jump ahead of Brentford. And uh, we've spoken about Villa as well. They've got a pretty rough uh, run of fixtures too. They have to take on um, Spurs this weekend, then Liverpool, then Brighton. So there is a possibility that Fulham jump up into eighth place. I think from memory it was about a 7% possibility. But realistically, Dad, if we can lock away 10th effectively this weekend, we have to take that and say this has been an incredibly successful season for Fulham, don't we? I think if we if we lose... If we don't pick up another point for the rest of the season, we will be frustrated. We'll be not bewildered. We'll be frustrated and it'll be disappointing, but it would still be an outstanding season. So for us to finish solidly in 10th, it would be, of course, a really good result. I think I think we're playing for we're playing for whimsical um objectives at the moment and, and maybe to allow young schoolboys to walk proud in SW6 um, ahead of... You say young schoolboys, it'll be... Okay, adults like us around well. proud as well. And... <laughs> um, I, I know, but, you know, you know, it's always talked about how, how many people in your average schoolyard, how many people are actually Fulham supporters? Everyone supports big teams, no matter yeah. where the kids live. And for for young Fulham supporters... Uh, to to be able to crow about the fact that we do really uh, control West London would be uh, a, a great achievement and a very satisfying. So yeah, it absolutely. it would be it would be it, it it's not impossible. It's not impossible for us to end up ninth or even even sneak into eighth. I think I, I saw that there is a, like a three percent like chance. I think I think a seventh is like a zero point. 
zero seven percent chance or something yeah. crazy so like no. that. I'll try and yeah. try and find the cool. tweet from uh, from Cottage Analytica, but um, yeah. So seventh is zero point zero five percent chance. Eighth is three point zero eight percent. Ninth a twenty four percent chance. Tenth a sixty four percent chance. Eleventh eight uh, percent chance. <clears throat> 12th is a 0.38% chance. So I think to finish 12th, Crystal Palace would need to win all their games and we pick up no points. Um, mm. And we play against Crystal Palace as well in that time. So I think the, the issue is that, you know, it, it's when when you're completely determining your success or your results are totally going to determine where you end up, um, then that's one thing. But in order for us to creep one or two place, pardon me, the planets really have to line up and other teams have to kind of come unstuck a bit. Yeah, um, look, if we if we win our remaining three games, and this is direct from Cottage Analytica as well, so shout out to the work that he put in for getting all this information together. But if we win our remaining three games, there's less than a one in 100 chance of other results going our way. <clears throat> and those other results are basically... Um, that, that's to finish seventh. Hang those on. Results. Say that again. Say that again. So if, even if Fulham win their three remaining games mm-hmm. and pick up nine points, taking us mm-hmm. to 57, there is less than a one in 100 chance of the other results going our way. So that would require, I think, Brentford, um, Villa, and Brighton to lose all of their remaining games. Hmm. And look, it's, it's a, it's a, outside chance looking at the fixtures that they have left, but Brighton still have um, five games remaining this season. You'd expect them to pick up. I think they'd need to pick up two points in those five remaining games. And I know they did get spanked by Everton, but they're, they're a good side. I, I can't see there being any issues there with them picking up points. But as uh, Colm Bolger on our live stream says, following along on the YouTube so you say there's a chance, and look, there is a chance. I think more likely we'll see us finish about eighth um, if we win all three games. I, I expect us realistically to to pick up just the six points and take us to 54, but 54 would be a really good result. And look, if Villa don't pick up any more points and Brentford only pick up one win for the rest of the season, based on our goal difference, I'd say 54 points could just about be enough for eighth. So we'll wait and see. Um Having a look at a potential Fulham lineup here. So, look, I've I've actually gone with Vinicius up front. I think everything else will likely be unchanged. I think Tom Kearney will continue in that role, um, stepping in for Pereira through his injury. I think we'll continue to see Polina and Reed play alongside each other, and Wilson and Willian on the wings have been superb. Um, as, you know, in the last few weeks, they've just absolutely come on leaps and bounds. I know Williams has been having a great season, but he seems to have flourished even more. Um, I think he's, he's genuinely almost trying to pull Vinny along with him. I know they're quite close. I saw a little bit of banter on the, uh, on um, Williams Instagram over the last couple of days, taking the piss out of Vinny. So they're, they're pretty close. And I reckon Williams picked up his game to help Vinny over the last few weeks. Genuinely. I think there's a lot of love in the group for, for everyone in the team. So uh, I'm, I'm surely saying that Willian's performances have, have definitely affected Vinicius and, and pushed him on even further. I, I, 
I mean, we, we can hark back to it again. Do you think there's a chance of Vinicius starting or do you think we really do need to push uh, push Mitro straight into the lineup? Um, personally, if you're asking me what I, what would I do, I would play Mitrovic. I think he's that good. I think he's that important. However, I have a wonderful feeling in my heart that if Vinicius starts, I don't care because I think this team is on a roll. Uh, having just scored five goals, um, wouldn't it be great if Vinny started, they carried on where they left off, at least at half time, and got straight back into that playing creatively with, with a lot of freedom, put a couple of goals on the board, and then Vinny makes way for, for Mitro, who then has to play in that style. Maybe that's the way you kind of bring him back in and almost if you bring him back halfway through the game, you almost enforce that he plays uh, in, in, in the manner that we've been playing. That I'd be happy about that as well. I mean, it's it's worth mentioning Vinny is is scoring goals at the moment and Marco has on many occasions stuck with a player who's in form. We saw it when we were incredibly surprised when Tosin stepped into the team, was given a chance ahead of Diop, performed really well and was kept in the side. Uh, and I think Marco puts a lot of value that is his on style. form. He puts yeah. a lot of value on form and really says, you know, you're playing well. I'm backing you. I'm giving you a, a vote of confidence. Yeah. And continue what you're doing. And, and you know, you've you, you put everyone in training sessions and say, earn your place in this team. Vinny has kind of earned his place in the team at the moment. And and I agree. I think sure. Mitro is the better player. And I'd like to see Mitra come back in because. You know, he's our number one striker. But I, I feel like Marco is going to see it slightly differently and say, you know, Vinny's been working hard. He's been scoring goals. I can't really drop him. And I think that's what Marco would be wanting from every single player. And we've seen it from Tom Kearney when he stepped into the team, Tosin when he stepped into the team, Wilson recently stepping into the team. They've knocked people like BDR out. They've knocked, um, I mean, Tosin knocked Diop out. He's obviously back in. Kearney's taken his opportunity here and, for me, going into next season, Tom Kearney at the moment looks like our starting attacking midfielder in place of Pereira because his performances have been so good that I think it, he probably deserves a position. And it's his first real opportunity. I know he's come off the bench a fair bit, but he hasn't had an opportunity to make that position his own. He's now got the opportunity and he's taken it. And I think that's what Marco instills in all the players on the training ground, saying when you get the chance, you have to take it with both hands. And at that point, I will back you. If you're performing well, you deserve it. I, look, I, I, I think on reflection, you're probably dead right that that's exactly how Marco will play. And I like the idea of that. And I think Mitro would be perfectly happy with that. And particularly if you said to Mitro, hey, look, you're going to get 20 minutes subject to how things are going. You're going to get 20 minutes today, maybe more. And um, let's, let's give him a two-goal head start so he can run wild. Well, I um I know the Fulham fans who are going down to Southampton. I think there's about three and a half thousand tickets sold, and I, I've seen on Twitter there's been a lot of Serbian flags bought on eBay over the last few days, and it looks like the away end is going to be full of Serbian flags, which will be actually a really great sight to see. Uh, a comment here from Colm on our live stream, following along on the YouTube. I agree, Vinicius has done well in the last few games, and it would be a nod to that from Marco if he does it. Though I can't wait to see Mitro come on at halftime. And look, I, I think there's no Ooh. doubt that we will see Mitro 
make an appearance in the game. It's just about if Marco gives him the shirt straight away because it is is his starting position or if he just sticks with Vinny for a little bit longer. And I, look, I personally would like to see him stick with Vinny a bit longer, not because I don't want to see Mitro because I do. I'd love to somehow crowbar them both into the team together, although I just think it doesn't work. But I, I'd like maybe a half from each just to to share the love a little bit and, and to ease Mitro back into the team. And then maybe for, for the rest of the season, because there's a little bit of pressure off and because they're both in form, you can almost give them both 45 minutes apiece. So here's what happens. Vinny scores three in the first half and then asks to be taken off. Publicly waves to Marco to say, take me off. What a guy. <laughs> I mean, he'd be a hero at that point. If you score a hat-trick and then walk off, I've, I've seen a few people do that in cricket, score a ton and then walk straight into the change rooms and retire. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I would love to see Vinicius do that. Um, but, look, I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Marco plays this one. I, I, I believe he's going to go and play it safe because that is just classic oh, it's Marco, not, it's, hands down. It's not only safe, it's actually... Um, so doing what he's what he's preaching, you know, yeah. and actually backing people who are on form. You know what? You've talked me around. Um, I, I think I'd kind of almost prefer that this happens, and I hope it does. I, I think he deserves it. Look, he's he's had a pretty rough year, Vinny. He's every time he's come into the team, he's got a lot of shit from everyone, um, and he's he's come good. And I think you have to. You have to salute that, and if you don't, it's it's harsh on Vinny. I'm sure he'll be understanding because you know Mitro's the man. Everyone knows that Mitro's the man, but I, I think it would be a, a nice gesture from Marco to give him a little bit more time in and around the starting lineup. I know he he has actually played a lot of games this year for someone who we fully expected to be just a backup player. Um, Vinicius has actually gone on to make 26 appearances this season for Fulham. 16 of those have come on as a sub, but he started 10 games this year, which Let's he would never have been expecting. We're not playing Man City, so it's pretty low risk starting Vinny, who is in good form um, and likely to absolutely not embarrass anyone in the first half, right? It's low risk. It's completely low risk, and it's a lovely canvas for Marco to actually... Um, you know, put some some good culture in place. Yeah, I agree. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about Tom Kearney in the middle as well. Um, he's been someone who we've seen come off the bench numerous times this season. Every time he does come off the bench, he's been very impressive and pulled the strings for Fulham from a, a deeper position. But I really enjoyed seeing him push a little bit further forward and he's definitely proved himself as a worthy backup for kind of either Harrison Reed if you need to rest someone and have a playmaker sit a bit deeper or Pereira if you need someone a bit further up the field to actually c contribute to goal scoring. Uh, do you think this has given Marco a bit of a headache going into next season? We we assume Pereira will probably miss a little portion of next year with that ankle injury, which looked pretty rough. Uh, we haven't got much of a definitive answer on when he's going to be back hoping pre-season, but we don't really know. Do you think Tom Kearney walks into that position or do you think we're going to be dipping into the transfer market? Ooh, well, so much has changed. You know, there, there was some 
conversation about whether Pereira would even stay with Fulham. I'm not sure how real that was. I, I think Pereira is quite happy and I think he's probably got more to prove. And I think he sees the opportunity at Fulham with Marco Silva and where this team is going. So, and, and, and then of course he gets that miserable injury, which, you know, given the kind of injury, even, even if he's fit for pre-season, um, those are difficult injuries. I don't know. It might take him a, quite a while before he comes back to his former self. So does Fulham go out? Probably do need to sign uh, an, another man. How could how could you go with uh, Tom Kearney alone? I know I know we can think in terms of Harris um, or other makeshift backups to Tom Kearney, but I don't think that fits the ambition or is in line with the ambition of this side. And maybe it forces the hand of the club to actually sign, um, you know, another attacking midfielder, high-quality attacking midfielder. But this is really, if, if Tom Kearney hasn't already sort of created a, his, his legendary status at Fulham, and I, and I reckon he already has, this is really a golden era or golden period for Tom Kearney. He, not only is he kind of humbly dropped into that off the bench thing in a, you know in his his sort of autumn years but he's actually now playing with such a lot of confidence isn't he and mm. I, I I love it that he's actually you know the club's been forced to use him in an attacking role rather than you know use him as a replacement for Harrison Reed because I just think he's he's just so much better to watch when that's his role up front. Um, I don't want to be relying on on um, him to do the hard work and, you know, have a have a heavy burden of defend, defending. I want him to play with freedom, and that's what we're enjoying. But to get back to your question, do, is it a conundrum? I, I, I actually don't think it's a conundrum for the start of the season at all because I think, I think Pereira will not be ready. I think he may well be, he'll be off crutches and he may well be training at some level, possibly even playing. But I actually think it's going to take him a while to come back. And so I think Fulham are going to be forced into um, probably spending some money in that position. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one. And, you know, it's Kenny's only played, only started in three games this season. So... I don't know if Marco has has basically marked him down as someone who is more effective off the bench. I know we have had that conversation about Solomon a few times and said, you know, is Solomon actually better to come off the bench and affect a game than actually start games? And maybe Marco sees something something in that for Kearney. But I, I have been really impressed by him when he's been starting recently. I think his creativity and his ability to kind of slow the game down fractionally to actually allow us to make better runs and and actually taking the time to make good passes and allow moves to evolve a little bit more, I think has actually been been really positive. And it's been a positive change having him come on. He's a very different player to Pereira. And look, Colm on the on the live stream also saying that uh, Bobby Deckard over Reed likes to play in that 10 position. And I think he's a he's an able backup. But I, I think Deckard over Reed is better on the wing. I think when we've seen Bobby sit central he hasn't been quite as effective as when we've seen him sit out wide. Um, and there's definitely a few conversations to be had post-season about 
who comes into the side and and who actually stays at the club. I'm, I think Fulham are going to have to look to move on a few players at the end of the season. I just don't know who that's going to be at the moment because we're going to have to strengthen the squad. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously a limit on how many players you can have registered in the squad. And there's, there's going to have to be some trimming. I know there's a lot of players out on loan who are going to be leaving, like Knockart and Cavalero and um, Gazzaniga in goal as well. It'll be interesting to see how Fulham do go about their strengthening of this team because we're starting to see a really good squad and a little bit of depth. We do need more. There's definitely a little bit lacking there at the moment. And I think the injuries that we've uh, we've had happen to us in the last few weeks, those big injuries to Ream and Pereira are going to see our hand forced a little bit. I think we... We did need someone to take over from Pereira, and I think Kenny probably could have been pushed into that role a little bit earlier this season. And we did need someone to actually add a little bit more coverage in the centre-back department. I know we've had a good trio of Diop, Reem and Tosin this season, but I think you need a fourth centre-back. And it, it was proved on the weekend that Shane Duffy, as much as the fans love him and he's a bit of a cult figure, he's not the answer to uh, our fourth centre-back. We need someone, and maybe it's a young player, a 22-year-old who is coming up from the championship or League One who we can we can nurture and grow and he can learn from someone who's a bit older like Tim Ream and he becomes a, a future centre-back at the club. But I just think we're lacking in a bit of depth there and these injuries are actually going to force our hand a little bit, which actually will turn out to be a really positive thing for us. Um, I know we're just tr- trying to spin issues that have happened to us over the last sort of two months as positives all the time. But I think they're actually I, I, all no, recovered. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Well I think we've actually recovered we had a bit of a wobble after Man United just emotionally. Um but I, I actually think we've we have actually seized on these crises and adapted really well actually and, and it, it's given us opportunities to bring players in um, it's it's given us opportunities to actually improve our versatility, and I think it's made us a better a better functioning squad. I really do. I, I just also would add that I, for me personally, Sasa Lukic is not is not a contender for that spot with Kenny, the, the one we were talking about there. No, not in an attacking position. I see Lukic as a read and backup. And and potentially he'll take over from those guys at some point once he finds his feet a little bit more in the Premier League. But I don't think he's that attacking option at the moment. I don't think he's got that little bit of flair that Kenny and Pereira both possess. And it's 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 nothing against Lukic. I think he's a very strong player, and I think he's a really good squad player for Fulham. But he, he that position doesn't suit him. Similar as. BDR could play in that position, but I don't think it's a position that I want to see him playing in fairly regularly. I agree. Um, but I, look, I think we do need to spin the fact that we've we've come through some pretty rough times in the last couple of months and we've had major suspensions for players. We've had some major injuries. I think you can look back across the whole season and say if Wilson and Solomon were fit from the very start, does Willian have the kind of season he's had? I saw, I saw a stat pop up saying that Kenny and Willian were the first pair of players to score two goals in a game who are over the age of 32 in the Premier League. In the Premier League, yeah, I saw that. And I saw that. 
you know, Willian has had such a breakout season for us. It, breakout is something you sort of reserve for young players. But I think after the, the past few years that Willian's had, his time at Arsenal, his time in Brazil, it really does feel like a breakout season for Willian because he was completely written off by almost everyone when he joined Fulham and they were saying, "What? why are you signing this bloke who's completely past it? He's proved he can't do it in the Premier League. And then he's come in and had the season of his life, it, it feels like. It, it's, it really that, feels like I'm William. It does make you wonder, though, doesn't it? That, I mean, wh- who else is out there with that kind of ridiculous individual skill and flair that you could still get, even if it's not on a free, but you could still get a year or two out of and just, you know, inject some utter, utter magic into your team. I mean, he's... He's remarkable uh, in terms of what 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 he gives this team freedom to be. You know, I, well, I, I, I mean, I, I point fingers in this lineup at, at Leno, Diop, and Willian. Just looking at the lineup we've got here on the screen, and these are three players who, you know, West Ham fans when Diop got pushed over to Fulham and signed by Fulham, West Ham fans are saying, "Thank you for taking this bloke off our hands. He's totally useless." Arsenal fans sold Leno and saying, we don't need him. He's nowhere near as good as Ramsdale, who's one of the best keepers in England, and um, Leno is nowhere near that level. Leno's completely proved them wrong this season. Diop has completely proved those fans wrong. Willian, you, you know, all the Chelsea and Arsenal fans, fortunately, were actually saying, I hope he does well, but let's be honest, he's completely past it. But he's come out again and proved them wrong. And we saw it with Mitro, people saying he can't do it in the Premier League, and he came out and proved everyone wrong. And it's been one of those seasons where we've seen a lot of people and, and we're starting to see it with Wilson and Kearney in the, in the sort of final games of the season where a few a few months ago we were saying Wilson doesn't look like the same player he was back in the day and we're saying Kearney's just a bench player. But these guys are now starting in the Premier League and affecting games and scoring goals. It's It's been a really fairy tale season for Fulham in so many ways this year. And I think it's it's... It just feels good. It's a feel-good story, and I, I just hope we build on it next year. Can't we? Can't we send Ronaldinho to like I don't know a summer camp and get him off the bench for a couple of times to to sprinkle some even some more magic into this side? Uh, I actually think Ronaldinho is in jail now. Nah, I think he got released. <laughs> I think probably keep him away from what is currently quite a good culture at the club. Don't really want an ex-con, although Mitro is treated like an ex-con most of the time. Um, anyway, look, I, I think this is going to be a fairly tough game for Fulham. I don't think Southampton are going to come into this one lying down. I know it should be one that we look at and go, you know, this is an easy win. Southampton are an easy beat. They're bottom of the Premier League, but it just doesn't really work like that, especially with three games to go. This is... Southampton's grand final every game from here on out is the very last game uh I think we're really mm-hmm. going to struggle um but I I, I do believe you're a cheeky chap the, Steve Reynolds I, I do believe we've got the ability to get one up on Southampton a comment there from Steve Sammy from Melbourne here what about Dan James it's definitely not Sammy from Melbourne good try though Steve uh, <laughs> I would highly suggest that Dan James does not make the bench once again. I, I hope we see some other youth players on the bench, and I hope we see them come on as well. I hope we put five past Southampton. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, Southampton are definitely a come at us. They've got absolutely nothing to lose from now. 
we saw it a little bit in the Leicester game when you've got nothing to lose. You have to do everything you can to win and, and there will be goals. Uh, I'm going to be coming to you a bit later on, Dad, and asking for what bets you're placing after you took home a couple of hundred bucks from the last game. Um, Who said that? Oh, it's just the rumours flying around Twitter. I've seen it everywhere. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one as the season comes towards its close. I think this game against Southampton, game against Palace the weekend after, and the game against Man U, there's, there is actually something on the line for us. And I think that keeps it quite interesting, even though it's not a relegation battle or a European chase. We're definitely not on the beach, and I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I, um, I think, of course, on paper, they have to come out and fight for their life. But I, I just think it'll all be very fragile for them, Jack. And I think we, we come out, go really hard at them, and score one, maybe two in the first half. I, I think they'll they'll fold. Yeah, look, I, I think early goals are going to be key here uh, for either side. I feel like if Southampton score early, they're going to sit back and it's going to be a bit of a bludgeoning game where we just try and beat through a line all day. Uh, if we score early, I think the floodgates will open and I'm, I'm really expecting this one to have goals in it. So, yeah, I'm look, looking forward to watching this one. A nice 10pm uh, game before a couple of late ones to finish off the season. So, look, Dad, I think we can close it off there. Really looking forward to the return of the King against Southampton this weekend. Mitro back into the team in some capacity, I'm sure. Um, but we're really looking forward to hopefully seeing another Fulham win and ending the season deservingly on a high. So, Dad, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, looking forward to watching this one with you on the weekend, hopefully. Yeah. Very welcome. Enjoyed it. And uh, for, for once, we've kept it under 50 minutes. How good. Well, I think it's proof that having Sam elsewhere <laughs> and leaving all the TIFO chat at the door makes a massive difference. <laughs> but yeah. look, it's uh, it's been a good chat, and I think uh, this one uh, deserved a bit of a bit of a long chat. Even though we we first sat down and said, "I can't believe we're going to get any more than about twenty minutes out of this one with a preview against a team that's all but relegated." But there's always something to talk about. Big thank you to everyone who has joined along on the live stream. We really appreciate it. We've got Jim, Colm, Steve Reynolds, William as well. Uh, really good good bunch of guys joining us and uh, getting involved. Really appreciate all the support. <laughs> really appreciate everyone who's uh, been interacting with us on social media as well, especially on the Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, or on TikTok, YouTube, everywhere you can get any kind of content. We're there, and we're trying to push out as much stuff as possible before the end of the season. We're also going to have a few things during the off-season as well. Uh, there's hopefully a big announcement in the next couple of days about um, a, a bit of a collab with some of the other Fulham podcasts as well. So really looking forward to giving you all the insight on what that's going to be in the coming days. But until then, come on you white.